you had a near-death experience on the Appalachian Trail. What the hell happened? I was kind of in a goofy mood that day. I didn't really see how serious of a situation it is. I'm trying to be calm, cool, and collected, but once it gets to my knees, I'm like, oh, okay, it's more serious than I thought. It's up to my neck, and I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm holding on, I can't move, and I was like, eventually my arms are gonna give out. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Trail Tales. My name is Kyle O'Grady, and I am a huge hiking nerd. And every single week on this podcast, I chat with other hiking nerds about their experiences on the trail. And this week, we have a very highly requested guest and someone I am so excited to talk to, Maddie Zickel from the YouTube channel, Beer in Beautiful Places. She hiked the Appalachian Trail this past year, and... She's done a lot of other stuff as well, and I'm so excited to talk to her. Honestly, I haven't watched all of her videos, but one of my favorite channels from the stuff I have seen. She just has an awesome attitude, and she just makes hiking seem so much fun. And so I'm excited. We're going to get into it. But first, if this is your first time watching the show, I hope you enjoy it. And please leave. Wait a minute. Damn it. I was, I was on a roll there. You were doing so good. If you found yourself watching a few of these video podcasts by now, then you got to hit that subscribe button on the Trail Tales YouTube channel. We want to get this channel to like 10,000 subscribers at least, and we got a long ways to go. And if you're listening on audio, then you got to leave a five-star review for the show, please. I'm trying to get to a thousand five-star reviews on both Apple and Spotify, and I'm, I'm getting there, but we still got a long ways to go there too. So without, without further ado... Maddie from Beer in Beautiful Places. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. And um, how's it going? It's going great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. I'm very excited. Uh, so I first found Maddie's channel when I was researching about the Superior Hiking Trail, which I don't have any plans on hiking it at the moment, but it's been a trail that's just like been on my radar for a while and what I'm curious about. And I, that's how I I guess that's, I, I had seen Maddie's channel before. I'd seen like her thumbnails and stuff, but I never actually watched a video. And so I honestly didn't think much about it. You know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of hiking content out there these days and, and I'm pretty busy. And so I clicked on it and I very quickly realized that her channel is a lot different. There's just something about her personality and just the way that she could, like I said in the intro, it's just fun. It just makes hiking seem fun. And so I'm excited. And why don't we start off, Maddie, by having you just give an introduction to yourself um, and talk a little bit about, as Backpacker Radio says, your hiking resume, just some of the trails that you've hiked and your your history with uh, through hiking and backpacking. Well, sure. Um, I grew up in a family that would go day hiking and camping in campsites. So then when I went to college and I heard about backpacking trips, I did a few of those here and there. When I when it was after college, um, I had always had through hiking in the back of my mind, but I didn't know if I really wanted to commit to six whole months of through hiking. So I did the Tahoe Rim Trail first. Then I did, which is um, like 165 miles, I think. I And that's around Lake, Lake Tahoe, of course, in Nevada mm -hmm. and California. Um, then I did the Superior Hiking Trail I, a few years later, which is 300 miles um, from Duluth, Minnesota, all the way to the Canadian border, Long Lake Superior, very beautiful, very nice trail. And then I did Numupoyo, also called the John Muir Trail in the Sierras. So you had a pretty good amount of experience, you know, mm -hmm. obviously there's always going to be someone out there that has more, but it's yep. like, I feel like for your average through hiker, that's a pretty good amount because I'm sure as you discovered, you know, on the AT, there's a lot of people that either have never even backpacked before or maybe they've just done like a couple nights or one night or something and then they just go out there and send it and a lot of them make it which is pretty <laughs> badass but yeah obviously you you had a pretty good amount of experience um i guess my question is was the at always on your radar or did you do these smaller actually you already you already kind of answered that didn't you i don't think i don't think necessarily um i 
Um, it was in the back of my mind, for sure. Um, growing up in an outdoorsy family, I heard of it, of course, but I always thought, like, you have to be, like, Olympic athlete level of um, strength. You have to, like... <laughs> know how to hunt squirrels and forage and like be so so outdoorsy um but i met a few people that had done it and i was like wow if everyday people like that did i bet i could probably do it like that i could probably do it too <laughs> if regular ass people could do it then i could do it too no it's it's true that's a good perspective um i kind of thought of people like that in terms of like the athlete thing at least as well although maybe it was more I guess before my AT through hike, I thought of people that completed it as just like these like superhuman, like amazing people. And then after I finished it, and don't get me wrong, it's it's hard and it does take a special type of person to finish the AT, like no doubt about that. But I guess just once you once I did it, I was like, all right, maybe some of these people are just more regular than I thought. Which is also, it, 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 I'm saying that it sounds bad, but. I don't know. It's also a good thing because that means that regular people obviously can still do an amazing thing like the AT, but I'm getting way too deep for, for this <laughs> early in the episode. Um, <laughs> I apologize for that, Maddie. Um, okay. So let's talk about the YouTube thing a little bit then. Where does YouTube come into play? Because, you know, lots of people want to do through hikes and do the AT, but although... <laughs> Not nearly as many people want to film it and post it on YouTube and put themselves out there like that. The reason I hesitated there is because I do feel like, you know, it's almost like a stereotype at this point. Like, oh, I'm going to through hike and then I'm going to make a YouTube channel and start Patreon and all these things. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, obviously, like way more people are through hiking and not doing the YouTube thing. And so where did that come into play? Why did you start the YouTube? And um, clearly you're still doing it. And so... I don't know. Like, how do you think it's been going so far? Well, I actually had a very negative outlook on YouTube before I started. Because when it was starting up, it was kind of like the cat videos and the like, <laughs> like and subscribe phase. And I just felt like that was so phony. So I was never really into it in the beginning. Wait, are you calling me out? Because I just said that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's okay. I, I know what you mean. It's okay. <laughs> but also, you guys should subscribe to the Trail Tales and Maddie's channel. But anyways, sorry. Sorry for interrupting, Maddie. Please continue talking about how people who ask for subscribers are idiots. I'm just giving oh, you shit. Gosh. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I'm sorry. I had a negative impression of it, but I noticed myself drinking beer outdoors a lot and taking a lot of cool pictures. And I was like, someone should make an Instagram about this. And no one took my suggestion. So I was like, oh, well, I'll do it. Um, you know, in the group of friends that I was with that would go out rock climbing and have our little PBRs with us and stuff. So, um, then I started my Instagram beer in beautiful places and it was just picture of and it was just pictures of beer outdoors. Very simple. And then once I really got into that, I was like, I want to expand to new or to other platforms. What else is there? And I was like, what if I do videos about having beer outside? And then I was like, well, I have to to make a, a video that's longer than a couple seconds. I'm going to need to put like the story of getting there and stuff like that into it. So I started YouTube in 2020, which was before the Superior Hiking Trail. So I filmed that and the JMT. But um, going into the AT, I was like, okay, I know this is a very, um, this is a trail a lot of people follow. And I would really like to document it in a really beautiful, really creative way. So I put a lot of thought into like... Um, I tried to do a video of the week and a short of the day, um, which was a lot of work, honestly. And now that yeah, I look back... Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like... I mean, doing anything every single day, even if it's just like a 60-second thing, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize, yeah, that's a lot of work. Especially when it's, you know, you spend so much of your time hiking, and then when you get somewhere, you're exhausted, and you're like, I just... It was a lot, but um, even though I bit off more than I can chew, I still got so much back from it, from feeling like people were virtually there with me and just encouraging me. And so I wouldn't recommend it, but it was really cool how it turned out. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool. Um, how did you... I'm sorry, 
like I said, I didn't watch all of your AT videos. Um, how did you pace your your AT videos? It wasn't it wasn't every day, I don't think, from what I remember. The normal long videos, um, when I was planning, I just wanted to do one week in a like twenty to thirty minute video. But mm-hmm. I filmed more then could easily fit into that much. I could edit it down, but that was actually more work. And I was like, well, why don't I just have two videos, more for people to watch, you know, not as hard for me. So easy. There was most weeks had two videos. One week had three just because I filmed a lot that week. Mm-hmm. Um, some weeks just had one every now and then. Yeah. Okay. That's a pretty good way to do it. I feel like a lot of people who are like, you know, thinking about vlogging and obviously you had like some, some good experience before the AT. So it wasn't like it was your first time, but I mean, it was your first time doing like a long one like that anyways. And I feel like a lot of people think they have to do daily because that's just like what the most, I guess it's kind of the most popular thing. Mm-hmm. And and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you have like reasons, specific reasons why you want to do it that way, then like go for it. But it's not the only way to do it. And I know for me, when I did the PCT, even though I wasn't even editing my own videos, I was still like, there's no way I'm making daily videos, like just insane. But I don't know. Um, I also, one thing that's been harped on on this show uh, in many previous episodes is how much of a just pain it must be to edit on trail. And I guess not doing it daily probably takes some of that workload off, but still I can't imagine even doing weekly videos, let alone more in editing on a through hike like through hiking is already so hard like how the hell do you edit while you're on a like how, how did you do that how did you pull that off just barely scraping by i was <laughs> able to edit on my phone and i didn't need wi-fi so that really helped and uh, like i can't fall asleep very easily so at the beginning of the trail i would um like the first couple hours after everyone went to bed, I would put my earphones in and just be editing away. But then I was like, okay, that's probably not good for my sleep, you know, um, seeing that blue blue light right before bed. So it turned into like zero days. I would spend my whole day editing. And I think because I have like a very specific vision for what I want one of my videos to be very like fast paced, very um, just changing things up a lot and I yeah I definitely bit off more than I could chew but I just somehow scraped by there was one week when it was my birthday I woke up with a really bad headache and I'm I needed to get the video done that night so I was like I'm not gonna get that video done that night I'm gonna take a break one week and luckily that was the only week I took off so to speak even though Mm -hmm. It was like the same thing next week. It didn't feel like much of a break, but somehow <laughs> so, I did it. I don't get it. I don't get it. It, it, it takes tough. so much discipline to through hike, but like the discipline required to through hike and film, which is probably easier than editing, but is also harder than it looks to through hike to film and to edit is just insane. Like you, you talk about doing it on your zero days and your you know, in town, like when I would go to town, I wouldn't even want to do laundry or like, you know, resupply. Mm-hmm. I, I, can, I cannot actually on the PCT when I was in town, I couldn't even bring myself to film. I got a lot of comments being like, Kyle, how come you never film when you're in town? And I'm just like, I'm not, it's not that I'm like against it. I just, I don't want to, like I'm in town, I'm chilling. Like I need to relax. So that's incredible that you had the discipline to edit like that in town. Absolutely insane to me. Um, I'm guessing that overall that burden was worth it, but I don't know. Well, if you were to do it again, would you do it differently? How would you maybe change things up or would you just suck it up again? I don't know. That's so hard to say because initially... Like, if you had asked me when I was on the trail, I'd be like, heck no, this is way too much work. (laughs) But now that I am like, it's afterwards, and I'm like, I not only did I like form connections with people that maybe I will never meet them in person, but like, they know this really big part of my life. And it's just so like, the magic of videography, man. Mm -hmm. And the magic of YouTube, yeah. Um, 
I guess since we're on the topic of YouTube, one thing that's been talked about on previous episodes, particularly with Taylor, uh, New Hampshire, did you get a chance to meet her at all? Mm-mm. Yeah, she was pretty, pretty early. Um, she's awesome. But, uh, have you, if you, if you haven't talked to her before, I would send her a message at some point. She's, oh, she's super okay. cool. And she's, um, she's been on the show a number of times now. Um, but so in our last episode we did together, we were talking about how people like, in the comment section on these vloggers, it's almost like they bet on who's going to make it and who's not going to make it. And I know that a lot of people get just like, you know, everyone that does YouTube is going to get mean comments, but I feel like when someone's saying, Oh, you're not going to make it or writing mean things like this in relation to your through hike specifically, this, the thing that you, you know, put your entire life on hold to do. I generally, I get the general consensus from people, um, that it, it, how do I say this? It, it it hits you a little bit harder, I guess, than just like a normal, like, oh, like your videos suck, whatever, like BS comment. Um, did you get comments like that? And I'm assuming you did. And how did you deal with them um, when you did get them? Uh, very few people just said straight up that I wasn't going to make it. But a lot of people had negative things to say about me. Like in one video towards the end, I was expressing how like... I wished that the group of friends I was with um, stayed together more at the end, and I just happened we I wish that we all happened to end up at the same campsite on the second to last night. That being said, I thought I made it clear like it's not something that I thought they did wrong. It's not something I was like, "Hey, we're gonna meet here or else." But um, someone took it to mean like I was trying to control other people's hike. And I don't know. I think a lot of times people, some people watch social media with the intent to like prove them wrong or like figure out how they can be negative in some way. So mm-hmm. that was really frustrating, but I just got to focus on the more people the majority of people have been so kind and so supportive and so amazing. So. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, it's not just the the mean comments too. Like I remember from my PCT videos, for instance, there's people that mean well, but just get so invested that they like start like telling you what to do or what you should do or mm-hmm. that you're wrong about things. And it's just, like I had so at one point in one of the videos there was a rattlesnake that crossed the trail in front of me mm-hmm. and I took a video of it and it was, I was kind of far away and I had a wide, a wide lens. And so you couldn't really see like, it wasn't like a close. Obviously I'm not getting like, you know, right in front of a rattlesnake uh, to film it. And so like, it was kind of hard to tell that it was a rattlesnake, but I was there. It rattled at me. It was right in front of me. It was obviously a rattlesnake. And so I posted that video and I think I posted it on my Instagram story as well. And I had multiple people commenting being like that's not a rattlesnake that's like something else and i was like what are you doing dude like i i was there like it's right in front of me like obviously i know it's a rattlesnake uh, that shit frustrated the hell out of me uh, it's m- even more so than the mean comments it's just the people that like think they're right about something but they're just ignorant it, that bugs me but um i could do an entire episode on that <gasps> i will i will not i'll leave it there mm-hmm. um let's talk about let's talk about the burn so I mean, I just spoiled it, so I'll just say it. Maddie got burnt on her through hike. And so I actually was watching a video later on in your series, and you mentioned something about the burn. And mm-hmm. I was like, she got burnt? I was like, I got to go back and hear that. Um, <laughs> what the hell happened there? <laughs> like, Can Man, you tell this story? It's the craziest. Like, You would not expect it to be a real thing. But I was at a hostel and I was sitting at some patio furniture that was a little rickety. In retrospect, I'm, I'm like, it was rickety, but in the moment, you would just be like, here's a good place to sit down. Anyway, I was using my backpacking stove and I can't remember exactly what happened, but I remember watching my pot of boiling water that I'm about to pour my north sides into teeter-totter. And I remember thinking, I got to catch this pot. And the next thing I thought was like, I'm not catching this. It's slipping out of my hands. And so it spilled. I was sitting down, so it spilled on my legs. I had a big red streak down my right leg from my knee to my ankle. Um, Luckily, I was with like 
the best people. And being in town was like such a relief because we had access to water. We had access to rags to make cold compresses. Um, if I would have needed to go to the hospital or something, it would have been so much less hard. So really, in the end, it was like, thank goodness everything worked out the way it did. But at the same time, it's one of those things where like, you might have heard the tip somewhere. Don't cook with your backpacking stove on a table. Um, have it sit on the ground with it. Or if you're going to sit in a chair, put it on the ground. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, it's one of those things like, um, I don't know. I was about to be like like wearing a helmet in a car or something like that, but I don't think that's ever. No one ever suggested that as a real tip. But um on a motorcycle. That's true. Yeah, very true. Um but it's it was just a crazy thing. Like who would have thought that would happen? But yeah, now yeah. I always I follow that rule now. Never want that to happen again. No, that's super scary. Yeah. Um obviously you're able to keep hiking how long did it take before like you were you know fully recovered from that well i took one one full zero day after that and then um i headed back to the trail because i was like for it to like completely heal it's going to be at least a week and i want to try mm -hmm. to at least make progress so i just covered it loosely kept it clean um I was worried about when the blisters popped, stuff getting in there, but luckily mm. that wasn't a concern. And then, um, like a week later, I went aqua blazing. And because I was just sitting in a canoe all day, I was wearing my long pants. So instead of having that covered and wearing shorts, I just had my pants covering it. The sun wasn't getting on it, and that mm. really let it heal up. Damn, I'm glad you ended up being okay. That's super scary, and I feel like those backpacking stoves are more dangerous than people realize. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm surprised I haven't heard more stories about something like this happening. If you have a story like this, by the way, and you're watching, leave a comment. Let me know. Cause like they are dangerous. It's just an open flame. They're tiny. And so the pot is unstable. Like how many times have you seen somebody cooking on one of these stoves and like, they can't tell from their angle, but from your angle, you can see that the pot is literally like completely off center. Like one little nudge, one gust of wind even and it's going over um it's amazing that more injuries like this don't happen with these stoves i will say there was one time when i was very young that i almost fucked myself up with one of these things i was i probably only used a stove like this a couple times and i was also here we go um i must have been 16 so you know not the <laughs> smartest <laughs> back then especially and so I had a bandana and I was, I think I was stirring something in my pot and I was using the bandana to hold the, uh, the handles of the pot and the bandana like was dangling down a little bit and it went into the flame and it caught on fire and oh, no. I didn't even realize. And my friend sitting next to me realized and he was like, yo, and he like, he just grabbed it from me basically and just like put it out real quick before I even knew like what had happened. It was already out. And I was like, damn, that could have been bad. I mean, it was in Vermont, so I don't think I would have started a forest fire or anything, <laughs> um, but still super dangerous and super silly. So yeah, use your stoves on the ground, everybody, and be careful because <laughs> I don't know. Because it, it happens. Yeah, apparently it's like just insane. Um, and yeah, leave leave a comment if you have any sketchy stove stories. I want to hear some more of these. Um, so actually, something you just mentioned a second ago, Maddie, was the aqua blazing thing. Um, this is something that hasn't really been talked about on the podcast very much. And I think the regular listeners will know that I myself, I, I don't like to call myself a purist because I feel like people are just like, yo, fuck purists, like, purists <laughs> suck. But you know, I'm definitely more of a purist than I am a, whatever the opposite of that is. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> although aqua blazing is different than just like yellow blazing, obviously. But, um, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get into my feelings on this. I am genuinely curious, like what aqua blazing was like. So can you start by maybe just explaining what it is? And then I just want to hear how your experience was and we'll kind of go from there. 
Sure. Um, I think the broad definition is just traveling by water instead of walking. You're still out there in the elements. You're still putting forth effort, but, you know, it's a different type of exercise. When I went, it was the Shenandoah River instead of, like, the first, um, I don't know, maybe the the majority of Shenandoah National Park we didn't do because instead of walking in the mountains, we were canoeing down the river and it was four of us, a super fun group. Like the weather was really nice all days except the last day. And in the last day, it was just like level two fun. Now that I look back at it because it was just like we were sitting in canoes in the rain and it was like filling up at one point I handed my friend behind me a sandwich and he dropped it in the water of the canoe and he ate it anyway so wow (laughs) just one of those stories that like it would never happen otherwise yeah yeah it was so fun um first of all because you're around your friends all day you know I don't know I always Ended up hiking by myself for the most part. Well, maybe it was 50-50. But anyway, I felt like I was um, by myself. And then on the river, you were friends. Um, you know, you have a cooler. So you can have sandwiches. You can have chips that would otherwise get crushed. A cooler full of beer even. So mm-hmm. it was so much fun. It was a blast. Yeah, that does sound fun. When I did my through hike... I, there was just no, I didn't even consider it. Cause I was just like, for me personally, I know I'm going to want to hike everything. Yeah. Um, but watching your video, it did look fun. I'm not going to lie. Like, and I've done, I haven't really done any like canoe, like backpacking style canoe trips before where you like go from campsite to campsite, but you're paddling instead of hiking. I have done trips where we just like load up a canoe <laughs> with way too much shit and then just paddle out to one campsite and just stay there for a few days and like fish. Um, so I don't know, looking, watching your video, it did look so fun. and It really was. I don't know. I guess let's talk about the the, the important stuff here, not the, um, <laughs> ready for this? The ethics of this, <laughs> for the lack of a better word. That's not the right word, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the purest, the, is it cheating, which I think is a phrase you use in your title, mm-hmm. um, that whole thing. Um what was your philosophy on that? Did you feel guilty at all doing it? Um, and in hindsight, like, how do you feel? Like, how did you like wrestle with that? I guess my thoughts are just everyone should define their own hike for themselves. Well, I guess that's very hike your own hike, but I just mean, of course, some people are gonna want to do every step, walk in, walk out from the shelter the same way they came in, and just, um. If people want to challenge themselves to do that, I get where they're coming from. But for me, I just wanted to be there for the experience. I was like, beforehand, I was like, if I get injured, am I going to be disappointed if I have to skip a section or something? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I guess at the end of the day, I just want the vibes that I've been hearing about so much, the community of the AT, being outside a lot, pushing your body to its limits, and... I felt like I got all of those things. When we were talking back to people being too involved um, or people really feeling, people feeling like they should be giving you advice in your comment section, I mean, I phrase that kind of not sounding very nice about it, but sometimes people are a little bit, um, people can take it personal when you make a choice that they wouldn't make in your mm-hmm. comments. They'll tell you about it. Um th- When I did Maine out of order, um, I just like skipped around at the end there. People were so upset because of me doing that. And I'm like, I don't know. At the end of the day, I just want to just get the gist of it. I don't have to be too exact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People, people love to have their input. Um, Although most the vast majority of them are obviously like super supportive. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, very true. In, in pretty much every case that I've seen. Just to be clear, we're not. I'm not trying to just like you know make every person that watches our videos. We love and the allows, commenters. I know. It, yeah, exactly. I feel like I was earlier in the conversation. I was coming off as kind of ungrateful there. That's not what I meant. Um, we're we're very grateful, but um, yeah. 
I think that's a good perspective. And like I said, I don't think I would change the way that I did it necessarily, mm-hmm. but I, I think that if I were to do it again, I might consider it. I'm still torn though. Cause I love Shenandoah. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole trail. Really? To be honest. That's cool. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. to go back there someday. Yeah. You, oh, you definitely should. Is. Um, especially for like a through hike too. It was great because there's just so much food and like, I don't know. It was just different. You're in a national park and it was just kind of a different vibe than like the typical trail, which I quite enjoyed, but I guess, at the same time, obviously, aqua blazing would also fit that criteria, a much different vibe. And so, I don't know. Um, it's interesting. And like I said, it hasn't really been talked about on the show very much, but I feel like aqua blazing is kind of like a, it's one of those like AT staples. And just, just because not everybody does it doesn't mean that like, I don't know, it's very popular. And so it's cool to hear that perspective. And it was really cool to watch your video on it and kind of see it firsthand. And so definitely go check out that video everybody um i'll have a link to beer and beautiful places in the description and in the show notes and stuff but um maddie let's talk about gear a little bit is that okay yeah okay so gear isn't talked about on this podcast as much as you might think given it's a backpacking podcast but we still got to talk about it every now and again I don't really consider myself like a gear expert or even a gear nerd necessarily. I I don't want to speak for you, but I imagine you probably feel the same way. Would you call yourself a gear expert? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm very much like I have what I have. It works. I'll replace it if it gets bad. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. I'll go through like spurts where if I'm researching something new or like I need to get like a new piece of gear or something, then I'll get like really excited. But like, I'm not going out there and just like researching shit. I know I'm never going to buy or like, I don't hear like news about the newest, like ultralight fabric that's coming out that Mm -hmm. companies are starting to use. And like, that doesn't really excite me that much. But, um, anyways, I don't know when a lot of people listen to this, let me say that again. A lot of people that are going to be watching and listening to this are going to be attempting their own through hikes, you know, in just a couple months um, from the time this comes out. And so they're probably wondering about gear. And so we got to talk about it a little bit. Um, So my first question about this is what were some of very, very general question. What were some of your favorite gear items that you used on the AT in particular, gear that lasted for the entire you know 2200 miles well i've had my um sleeping pad since i began backpacking so even more than the at and it was um you know years and years ago i might have hiked um maybe 700 miles total before the at so Like, I can't believe it's held up this long. And it's always so comfortable. Um, If I haven't said the name already, it's an insulated static V. The pump, the the thing you close can be a little finicky, but if like... The the valve, maybe? Yeah, valve. Yep. If you just, if you push down hard enough, you're good to go. Never had it leak. Never had anything like that. So Mm -hmm. that would probably be my favorite. Okay. And then I I saw that you used a ULA backpack too, right? Yeah. It's actually yeah. right here. Oh yeah. Yeah. I saw it back there when we started too. Nice. Um, which I, so I, I've used a ULA CDT for the majority of my backpacking. I don't think you had a CDT. It was one of the other ones, right? Um, a circuit. Cir- yeah. Circuit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I always get the circuit and the catalyst confused. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're both framed, I believe. But again, I'm not mm-hmm. a gear expert, so what do I know? But I don't know. I I love ULA. Um, I've been using some other packs more recently, but not because I didn't like my ULA bag. It's more just because I'm a YouTuber, to be quite frank, and I get shit sent to me, and it's fun <laughs> to test it out. So, um, anyways, how did you like the uh, the ULA pack? I really liked it. Um, there were times when it would get uncomfortable. Like I remember I was in Pennsylvania and it was just really 
wearing on me wouldn't sit right. And I just asked the group, like, does anyone want to try to adjust this for me? I was so frustrated that I was already halfway through with the AT and couldn't get it figured out. But Mm -hmm. my friend that did the PCT, actually, so the most experienced one there was like, I would just loosen it up and start from scratch redoing it. And I did that. And that did the trick. I don't know how it gets kind of off sometimes, but I would just do that. It definitely wasn't perfect by any means, but I always have so much trouble trying on packs. Um, Mm. At this point, I'm like, it might just be as good as it's going to (laughs) get. Hey, you never know. You never know. The perfect pack is out there for everybody. Um, Trying on packs is such a pain, though, especially the you know, the cottage, like ultralight ones. Cause you can't just go to like a store for most of them anyways yeah. and just try them on, you mm-hmm. know, like if, if you're getting like an Osprey or something like that, then it's a little bit easier, but mm-hmm. that does kind of, that is, that is kind of a bummer about the, the cottage gear. Although it seems like most companies have pretty generous return policies because they kind of understand th- that it's difficult, you know, th- to try things on, mm-hmm. you kind of just have to go for it and buy it. But, um, yeah, I don't know. That is kind of difficult. Um, okay, Maddie. What ready? This is gonna be a good a good uh clickbait question. Um what were some of the worst pieces of gear that you used on the Appalachian Trail? We've the all worst? got our things that we don't like, things that don't work for us. I'm curious to hear, like, yeah, what what didn't you like? Ooh. Well, I feel bad because most of this stuff worked really well, so I can't give you a, like a good a good clickbait answer for that. Damn it. No, I'm <laughs> um, no, I, I did have because um I'm very like what they say in backpacking is you get what you pay for. But I'm like, okay, let's test that out. I mm-hmm. started with Walmart trekking poles and they Ooh. made it all the way till um Massachusetts. So I was really mad when they broke, but I was also like, those were Walmart trekking poles. Yeah. And they lasted over a thousand miles. That's pretty so, damn good, honestly. Yeah. I don't know. Are you are you the kind of person that like babies your gear or are you kind of just like, it's my gear, it's tools, I'm just going to go for it and whatever happens, happens? Maybe I baby it without meaning to because... My one friend I had, you could hear him coming with those trekking poles on the ground. And (laughs) on the flip side of it, I feel like I just like, you know, just very little taps. So maybe I baby it. Do you do you find yourself? That's right. I'm going to I'm going to get to the bottom of this, Uh, uh, get to the bottom of how the hell these trekking poles lasted so long. Um, Do you find that you are like constantly using your trekking poles or are you like hiking without them sometimes? Because I've noticed a lot of people, I'll say for me, I'm one of those people that I'm, especially on the AT, maybe not as much on the flatter stuff out West, but like on the AT, I was constantly using those things going up. I'm pushing, going down. I'm putting my weight on them, you know, breaking my steps uh, or easing my steps. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's other people. I remember this guy on the AT, Breezy, who was a, a guest very early on in the show, a long time ago, he would just never use his poles, but he would just hold them. And it just drove me insane. Cause I'm like, dude, why do you even, why do you even have them? Like you're just, you're just holding them. Um, but I don't know, you know, a lot of people fall, you know, somewhere in the middle of those two extremes where, do you, where do you find yourself? And do you think that could have had any impact on why they lasted so long? Or am I just fishing for reasons why Walmart performed so well? With well. these striking poles? I did actually use them pretty often, especially once it got like Pennsylvania and um, the Mid-Atlantic and New England. You really have to like I had the worst time, not just with like the Pennsylvania rocks, but the rocks like the whites and even like New York and New Jersey, where it was like an obstacle climbing over them. I think that is really what slowed me down at the end of the trail and. I was just not having a good time, but yeah, I definitely use those poles a whole lot. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess credit, <laughs> credit is due to Walmart. Yeah. Well done. Well done. <laughs> um, that's impressive. And honestly, I have noticed with other trekking poles too, like the, I don't know the exact price of the ones you got, but I used Cascade Mountain Tech poles mm-hmm. on the PCT. And those are again a pretty affordable pair. They're less than a, I think they were like fifty or sixty bucks. 
when I bought them for the pair, they're probably more expensive now, like everything else, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty affordable poles and those lasted pretty good as well. In fact, they never snapped or anything. The only reason I had to replace them was because the tips broke and, in hindsight, I probably could have replaced those tips if I really wanted to, but for some reason at the time I thought I couldn't. I don't remember why. I pro- it was probably stupid of me, but I don't know. I guess trekking poles are one of those things where, kind of like you said a few minutes ago, you get what you pay for doesn't necessarily ring true. H- have you noticed that with with anything else? I'll say the one thing that I've noticed that with is stoves. It seems like the that those cheap like Amazon back ultralight stoves have served me pretty well. Although then again, they're probably pretty dangerous because they're so small going Mm -hmm. back to what we talked about earlier. But yeah, any, any other gear items that you think, um, you get what you pay for might not necessarily be true. Well, um, the boyfriend, my boyfriend, sorry, (laughs) my boyfriend at the end (laughs) of the trip, sorry, (laughs) the only one for me. Um, my boyfriend had, my my boyfriend's last pair of shoes on the trail were hiking boots and he was saying they're just more comfortable they're just as comfortable as trail runners and they cost significantly less and so i think i'm gonna test that out for myself next time really of course they are lighter but like i've been paying like two hundred dollars more um for trail runners and i just want to experiment i actually ended up um only wearing two pairs of shoes throughout the whole at so like that's a definite thing next time i want to invest more in wow resupplying Wait, two shoes. pairs of trail runners not on purpose that's <laughs> just the way it ended up holy shit what what were they ultras yeah they were ultras. <laughs> i oh know my. They're, they're how? Like how is that for- even possible Maybe I just have the magic. It's the same thing with the trekking pole. Yeah. Just make it last. Um, But it was kind of... It was an accident. I just happened to... um, I got new shoes, like, around the fourth way part of the trail. And happened to... Like, in Pennsylvania, with all the rocks, I was like, okay, I'm really uncomfortable. I'll try some inserts. Inserts weren't working. I was like, next shoe store I come to, I'll look for a new pair. And there just Mm -hmm. didn't happen to be an outdoor shoe store on the trail, which, like, in retrospect, like, I should have known. There's so much more smaller towns up there. But the South was just so many outfitters that I I thought it was always going to be like that. So, Mm -hmm. whoops. (laughs) Bad for my feet. Yeah. Oh, on the AT, I think I went through three full pairs and then I, I bought a fourth pair with only like 150 miles left. And so I didn't actually like fully go through that pair. But, um, on the PCT, dude, I went through like five pairs at least, I think maybe even something like that, like five. Um, yeah, that's, that's incredible. I know you do hear about people who are just, which I guess this wasn't the case with you, but you hear about people, I'm sure you met people out there who are just like super stubborn with their shoes. Like they have tons of holes in them. They're just destroyed. They're basically sandals at this point with no grip left, but they're mm-hmm. still like, nah, dude, I got another 200 miles in these things easy. Like it's, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah. but going back to something you just, you just said a few minutes ago, which I love, I think it's so cool about you, Maddie. Like the fact that you're an experienced through hiker at this point, you've got you know, lots of miles under your belt. You know what you're doing, obviously. And you're deciding that you're going to go against the grain of like the most popular common piece of advice out there. A piece of advice that I've given a ton of times on this show and on YouTube videos, which is you got to go with trail runners. The fact that you're like, yeah, maybe I'll try boots instead. Like that's incredible. And I, again, I personally, I wouldn't do that, but Hey, I respect it. Uh, I got to give you props for that. And I, I think that's a big reason why I think people are drawn to your channel and your attitude. Like, I, I don't know. I, I like that. That's cool. Even Thank though I you. disagree with it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, okay. It's about time that we talk about what happened in Maine with the river. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to say it. You had a near-death experience on the Appalachian Trail. What the hell happened? And I think 
I don't know. I just want to preface it. People get hung up on like the bears and the dangerous, creepy people on trail. Like when they think of like dangers when it comes to through hiking. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, people who have done some research and experienced hikers are certainly aware there's a lot more dangers than that. But in terms of just like your average person, I don't think they're thinking of river crossings as like the number one. They're certainly not the first thing that's coming to their mind when they think of dangers on the AT or on, on through hikes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're an underrated danger for sure. And I've been very fortunate in that I've never really had a somehow uh, a, like a dangerous river crossing before. A couple like kind of sketchy ones, but nothing compared to what you had. And so can you just like tell the story of what happened and um, also talk about what you think you should have done differently because I know in your video you really it really seemed like you were kind of regretful about some of your actions and you felt like you made a mistake yeah for sure um so it just started a day like any other it was the um Piscataquis River um I walked up and saw about eight other through hikers that had been at the shelter I was at or like camp nearby were like all standing there trying to figure out how to cross this river people had like gone up either way trying to find an easier way to cross um but like nothing they couldn't find an easier way and I don't think it was really brought up about what if we just stay here an extra night. Um, in like after the fact, I learned that some people didn't have enough food for an extra night. Um, so they didn't really want to wait for it to go down. Plus, we were eight miles away from Monson, Maine. So not not far. Right. And it had been raining the past like two or three days. Everyone just wanted to be warm and dry. And so um, if I remember right, they had heard of someone else getting across the river before. So they were like, there has to be a way. So what ended up happening is three people had bear line that we ended up tying together. And the strongest swimmer in the group swam across and we tied it to trees, made sure the knots were really good. And then one by one, we went across um, holding on to it and just slowly making our way. It was really like a teamwork moment because everyone was kind of cheering each other on and people weren't just like, oh, okay, I got across the river. See you all there. Um, But that was kind of a cool aspect of it. But everyone going seemed like it wasn't that big of a deal. My whole thing was like, okay, I'm going to just keep walking and um, always stay upright, not try to swim. I was kind of in a goofy mood that day. I didn't really see how serious of a situation it is. And when finally it was my turn, so I get all the way out there, like halfway, I'm trying to be calm, cool, and collected. But once it gets to like my knees, I'm like, oh, okay, it's more serious than I thought. Halfway out there, it's up to my neck or my chin. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I didn't realize it was, it would be pushing this much. And so to back up a little, um, one thing I really like about hiking is that like, there's like society expectations and stuff that on the trail, it's kind of more, um, like there's not as much like societal norms and things. And so before the trail, I was like, I really don't like that. People say like, Oh, you got to bottle up your emotions. So, um, being out there, I was like, okay, this is my chance to fully like feel all my feelings and like not hold anything in. So I think in that moment, I was just kind of freaking out and I wasn't trying to hide the fact that I was freaking out and therefore I was freaking out more. Um, Mm -hmm. Next time, I think I'm definitely like going to try to be a little more play it cool first. Um, But anyway, back to the story. Um, I'm in the middle of the river. I'm holding on. I can't move. In the video that someone took, I moved a little bit more and then just stopped. And watching that, I'm like, why did I do that? If I could have moved those few inches, I could have kept inching and inching and inching till I was done. But in the moment, I didn't think about that. Um, I just felt like I was stuck. I was picturing like the water was always pushing me to the center of the river because it was kind of a stretchy line. So. Mm-hmm. 
just getting in my head too much. Um, and I was out there, I was holding on and I was like, eventually my arms are going to give out. I have my big old pack on. And of course I had it unbuckled because that's what you're right. supposed to do. Yeah. But, that's an important safety tip to keep your pack unbuckled. If you're crossing any sort of even somewhat sketchy river crossing in case you need to just ditch it. Um, if you know, and so it won't pin you down buckled. or anything like that. I had my pack unbuckled because you're supposed to be able to take it off in a moment's notice, like if you're getting pulled down. But in that moment, I was like, I really don't want to take off my pack because then it's going to roll away in the current and I'm never going to see anything that I own again. And like, I'm out in the middle of the river and I realize, okay... No one's going to come help me because I was like picturing in my mind someone like coming out and giving me a hand and it being a real hero moment. But then I realized, okay, like that's just in my head. So I Mm. asked my friend who was the strong swimmer, like, what do I do? And he says, come back to the side where I started from. And I'm like, if I'm in the middle and I can't go halfway forward, why could I go halfway back? But anyway, I tried and I could. So I get back to the shore where I started on. A few minutes later, I try again without my pack and my friend brought my pack over for me. He like shuttled a bunch of packs over. So that was really hero of the day. Yeah, no kidding. I I think back like why didn't why wasn't I just like okay it's too dangerous I'm not going and I think I was just in the mindset of like okay I'm going to face my fears while I should have been like okay that fear is there for a reason. So yeah. um I definitely should have known better but um There were so many river crossings I did earlier that day, the day before, that were difficult. And so I was like, if I did that, I can do this. And of course, I'm sure at some point when I was researching before the AT, I probably read somewhere that some rivers are too strong and you shouldn't cross. But in the moment, like... I had read that sometime in like January or something, and that was September. So I think it's really easy to look at a situation and be like, that person should have known better. But your brain just works differently when you're under stress. You can't see the whole picture of something. You just see what's right in front of you. So definitely next time when the current is too strong, I would have just turned back. But I am very thankful for all the people that were there. And like, thank goodness, nothing bad happened. Yeah, super sketchy. And like... (sighs) When I think about this situation, it's hard for me to like judge you for going through, to be honest, because I've been there. You're only eight miles away from a town. You, Of course, you want to get to town. And mm-hmm. especially given you had some bad weather, like that just makes it even more so that, that, that you want to get to town. And also, like you mentioned, food. You only have a certain amount of food. You have to get through each stretch of trail in a specified mm-hmm. amount of time so that you have enough food. And so taking an unplanned, you know, extra night, you know, again, you're probably not going to starve to death, obviously, but it's like, that's a big deal. You won't have enough food and that sucks. And so like, I totally understand why you would want to go through in that circumstance. In hindsight, would you, would you say that either you just said there, maybe turn around or even just camp at the river and, and give it a day to try to come or to, to go down and become less dangerous? Is that what you would have done? Yeah. Um, we we thought that it the water could continue rising, and we didn't know when it was going to stop raining. Yeah. Um, we w- it was a part of the trail where we crossed the river, like, when we were coming up, and we were crossing the river again to go to town. So we were kind of stuck on that U of a couple miles. Oh. Um, couldn't... People that were there before me were like looking up, is there any road walks we could take or any way around it? And it was just the worst possible location for this to be happening in because we were like, there's no other way. In retrospect, yes, I would have just waited a day, but I also like had no idea what would happen. Yeah, it could go, it could rise even. Mm -hmm. It's so, it's such a tricky situation to be in. And so it's not easy to just make a, objective judgment about what is the best move. Um, I'm glad you were okay. And and as you might've heard, Maddie, uh, in June, sorry, in July, rather, 
there was a through hiker. I think he was a through hiker. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he was doing a long hike on the AT, certainly in Vermont, who got swept away in a river and died. And he was missing for a number of days. And I believe they found him like miles down the river. And this was right. Um, I was I was in Vermont and, and New Hampshire, like around this time. And there was like huge rain, <laughs> huge rain. <laughs> there, there was like, you know, a huge rainstorm, um, record flooding in Vermont. They're still cleaning up in, in parts of the state from it. And so, yeah, just a dangerous situation. And obviously we don't know exactly what happened in his circumstance. We don't know if he meant to cross it. We don't know if he got caught in a flash flood. We don't know if it was an accident. You know, obviously we don't know. We'll never know. Um, but it's super sad. And those rivers are a, they're a hidden danger in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm so glad that you and all your, all your friends were okay. And, and hats off to, yeah, to all your friends, like you said, for like helping out that really, you know, watching the video that really did seem like a, a team situation. And it was scaring me. I've never been, I've never had to cross a river like that. And I feel like eventually, you know, I guess maybe I, I wouldn't cross it. I don't know. It's a, it's such a tricky situation. I'm just glad that everyone was okay. Um, yeah. All right, Maddie. So that was a, a crazy story, but that that wasn't the end of the episode story. Um, I, maybe I should have worked that one in earlier to to have it flow better, but I didn't. And so here we are. Um, we've heard a lot of a lot of crazy stories. Um, burns, rivers, absolutely insane. But I don't know what this next one's going to bring. So without further ado, I'm going to throw it back to you. And uh, yeah, take it away for the end of the episode story. This is another river story, but it's oh a happy boy. story. <laughs> okay, it's happy. That's good. We'll end this on a happy Um So we were coming out of town and me and my friend were like, we have four beers left over. Let's just pack them out and have them tonight. So we're carrying the beer all day. When we get to the campsite, I'm like, okay, well, I'll go put them in this creek so they'll cool down. You know, nature's fridge. I um, went to the creek and found this like cove right on the shore. And I was like, oh, perfect. I'll just put them all under the water here. And then I went back to camp few minutes later, I was like, oh, okay, I'm ready for my beer. Do you want yours? <laughs> so I went back to the creek and that cove was empty. So I went back to the campsite and I said to my friend that carried out this beer with me, well, I don't even remember what I said at first, but I think I just had this look on my face because he was like, don't say it. Don't you dare <laughs> say it. And I was like, okay, I won't say it out loud, but... You know, he figured out I had lost the beer. So Mm -hmm. I go back to the creek. I don't really know where he's going. I think he's just kind of mad and just, you know, I did lose the beer that we worked hard to carry out. So don't really blame him. I went back to this creek and I took off my shoes. I took my phone out of my pocket and I am like walking around in this creek, like um, feeling around wherever I can find um I'm splashing myself and kind of tripping and falling in a little bit. I had a microphone in my chest pocket that I was like, oh, I'm not going to I'm not going to go in chest deep. But I did somehow get my shirt wet because I was just falling and like feeling around and everything. So I get out of the creek and I am just soaked. And then I see my friend who I carried the beer out with and he's got all four of them in his hands. And I'm like, what (laughs) happened? He went down river um, to another little part where there was access to the water and all four beers just happened to magically roll by there while he was there. And I'm like, that is just like of all the times (laughs) they could have rolled past of all the times they could have like rolled to the other shore. Like we were meant to have those beers. (laughs) And I hope you enjoyed them. We sure did. (laughs) Sat sat around the fire, and it was just the perfect evening after that. After what could have been disaster. Absolutely. 
Um, I thought you were gonna say someone like stole them or something like <laughs> some other some. Other I did hiker. ask the pe- the other people at the campsite. I was like, did anyone happen to see these beers? Like, <laughs> it's, not it's not trail to- magic. We worked hard <laughs> to get those up here. <laughs> well, I'm yeah. glad you found them, Maddie. And um, this was an awesome episode. Where can people go check out your stuff? Plug the YouTube, plug the Instagram, the TikTok, the whatever. Um, yeah, where can people go uh, check out your stuff for those that haven't already seen it? Well, I try to make everything easy. It's just beer in beautiful places across um, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. Um yeah, got a lot of post-AT, um, like what I learned and reviewing everything coming up. So I'm really excited to cap off my AT experience and go on more adventures in the future. Hell yeah. Thank you again for coming on here, Maddie. And thank you everyone for watching and for listening. One more time, I don't care if Maddie doesn't like it. Subscribe to the channel. Um <laughs> That's not it. That's not what she said, to be fair. But no, subscribe to the Trail Tales YouTube, dude. We're making moves. Um, it's been going so better than I could have hoped in these these last couple video episodes. And so please do that if you haven't already. And once again, please leave a five-star review if you're listening on audio. And I will see you all next week. Woohoo!